You're now tuned in to Life Song Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to accurately studying the Word of God in a comprehensive and biblical manner. Listen in as hosts Phil Ramsey and Blake Shankle dig into the Word line by line, verse by verse, leaving no stone unturned. Grab your Bible and your notebook and get prepared to study the living, breathing, active Word of God. Now, here are your hosts of Life Song Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of Life Song Radio. My name is Blake Shankle. And as always, the wretched, vile worm he is, Phil Ramsey. That's a new one for you me. You like that? Vile worm. <laughs> what I, you've been I, I, I'm used to being called wretched, but vile worm. <laughs> I put my. Well, how about worms here? Sorry. Sorry. I'm just trying to. Uh, but you set are the correct. Stage. Okay. Yes, you are. I won't argue that. Okay, good. I'm a wretched, but vile worm. Saved by the grace of God. Yeah, praise and his the Lord. Mercy. Praise the Lord for, for mercy and grace. Yeah. Amen. Love Amen. It. Love it. Well, good to see you, Phil. We're back here again. I mean, I'm so excited for this episode. We have. Uh, we're going to do something that's kind of unique to. To, to us, we we normally the yeah. viewers get to see us. Yeah, we're just a little look. We're just a little redneck, po dunk. Yep, is that red, that, yeah? A uh, little uh, podcast slash TV show. But uh, yeah, we got something different we're going to do, and we'll tell you about it in just a second. But I'm excited to get back in thirteen. It's yes. a it's a great chapter. It's it's a it's a hard chapter. Yeah, you know it goes against the grain of us Americans, you know, but uh, but it's still good. And and it, we were talking earlier. You know, this flows out of twelve. Read that real quick. Yeah. verse uh, one. Everything goes back to twelve, yeah. verse one. Yeah. And we got to keep that in context, yes. right? So he says, therefore, Paul, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Yeah. And then he goes from there. From there on, it's just wham, bam, bam, bam. And we're in 13 now, and it's still going. Yeah. So what we're talking about today and what we talked about last week was uh, a part of worship. You know, submitting to the government is flows out of our worship to God, mm. you know. And I would say this. It's, it's – I said it a million times. Let me say it a million one. It's easy to sing a song. Hmm. It's a little bit harder to pay your taxes, especially when you know where some of the money's going. But guess what you do? Pay your taxes. Yeah. But they're 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 funding abortion clinics. Pay your taxes. Yeah. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Right. He'll take care of that. But we are to submit to the government. Now there's we talked about last time there's there's times when we don't. And, and we might get into that a little bit more. Well, was, let me just read those yeah. three categories because I think it's very important. We talked about last week the three categories in which we don't submit, right? Where there's civil disobedience in which we submit to God rather than the authorities, but yet there may be consequences to that submitting to God rather than the authorities, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be willing to take that. One of them is when the government forbids what God commands, right? For example, uh, the forbidding to preach His Word. We don't do that, right? We don't. We don't. We keep preaching the Word because we've been commanded to do that. Number two, when the government commands what God forbids. I'll read that again. When the government commands what God forbids, such as idols or killing of babies, we don't do that because the Bible says we're not to do that. Mm -hmm. Number three, when the government commands what isn't theirs to command. When the government commands what isn't theirs to command. That's out of their jurisdiction. For example, dictating how we're to worship, when we're to worship, where we're to worship, right? 
that's out of their jurisdiction. You're out of bounds. We don't submit to them. Yeah. So, so at that point right there, we we it's the word. What's the, what's the word? What it, if they say do it? We have God's authority not to do sure. it. And we, I'm not going to read it, but in, in Acts five, we see that when they were, I think I think it was Peter when they said, "Don't, hey, we'll let you go, but don't say anything else about Jesus." And he said, "We must obey God rather than men." So ultimately, we have to obey God, but but. We have to submit to government in uh, in all areas where they don't cross the line. That's it. And it's That's hard it. to do. That's very difficult. That's very it's difficult. Hard to do. In this past year, we've seen that as this this toe in the line, or how do we do that? And a lot of people have asked that question. There's a lot of good podcasts on on that, and we're not going to be able to answer that. But we're going to look at the scripture here today and what it says, and kind of keep it in context. Now, we're not going to be able to answer every question based upon that. And if you do have questions, hey, submit them to it. Lifesongradio zero one at gmail You can submit those. But but. Let's read the scripture here, Phil, right. and let's let's get us in here, and then we'll we're going to hear a little bit from Pastor James Coates. Yeah, introduce him after I read sure. this. Uh, we'll read just four verses today. We'll just we'll pick back up with one. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Verse 4. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Hmm. For he does not bear the sword in vain. I mean, let me, can I break that down? Yep. He carries a pistol for a reason. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Back to the text. That's interesting for today. <laughs> yeah. He does not bear, and pistols are made to be used, by the way. They're not just uh, jewelry. But anyway, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Well, so that's where we find ourselves today in Romans 13. And last week we talked about our responsibility to the government. We, 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 we assess that from this, this standpoint of, of how we submit to the government, right? Because ultimately, the governments are set up by God. God is yeah. the ultimate authority. Yep. And we have, to rem- we have to remember that. That needs to be up to the heading, right? God is the ultimate authority. He's the supreme being. Yeah. He sets up kings, and he tears them, tears them down. Daniel. Right. He, we need to remember that. But what we wanted to look at today was was kind of we wanted to look and we're going to use a pastor and I'm going to set it up here in a second. But we want to see what God's ordained. What is the role of us? How do we inform the government? What is the government's role? That was a. Say, can you say that one more time? That was a yeah. good statement. Say it again. How are we to inform the government oh, of their role? That's right. Right. So because God has set them up, what is their role? Mm-hmm. They have a role to play in this as well. Pastor Coates, let me let me set this up. Pastor James Coates is the pastor up in a, a church called Grace Life in Edmonton, Canada. Now, we're Americans, right? We, you have to go to the map and Google that. It's way on up there. Pastor Coates is a, a, a seminary, uh, is a, a, a graduate of the Master Seminary, of John MacArthur's Master Seminary out there mm-hmm. in, in California. 
very orthodox um, man. Uh, and uh, his church, in, in fact, this is all in context of the coronavirus, right? The, this is all we, we've seen. We've seen down lockdown measures with churches. We've seen government coming in and uh, putting their jurisdiction where they have no jurisdiction. We've, we've seen that. So that's all in this context of this. And we, as, as I've talked to Phil before, is, you know, a pandemic is, is all, right? It's all. That's what it means. And, and in fact, several years prior to this, the pandemic, uh, the, 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 the terms by which a pandemic uh, would, would be labeled a pandemic has changed. Those numbers have changed. And so it's something weird there. But I would not even call this a pandemic because not everybody has had this virus. So I think we, what we've seen is the virus is real, but I think the, the response to it is well overblown. And, and what we've seen is, is just government taking power. So in response to that, uh, we've seen some of these these tyrannical governments, such as Canada. We've seen it in California. We've seen it uh, in in New York. We've seen it in, in some of these liberal places uh, take. Uh, uh, come inside the church and dictate to the church how they're to worship, when they can meet, how many people can meet. Mm. On the heels of that, I want to read this. This is this is what happened. In January, the Alberta Health Services asked the court to enforce its public health orders. This is in Canada, right? On February 7th, Pastor Coates received an undertaking with a condition that he would comply with health orders. What had happened was was the the church had determined that there was really no ill effects. They were meeting 100%. And they were like, this is, you know, they, they basically said, look, we've been meeting for this quite some time. Nobody has fallen ill. Something doesn't make sense. So they were meeting. They were, they were exercising caution, but they were meeting 100%. But he, he received an undertaking with the condition that he would comply with health orders until a full hearing on the merits of his case. They said the CBC has reported that Pastor Coates failed to comply with the conditions of the undertaking, basically meeting at a hundred percent. They were only to meet at a certain percentage of the fire of the, of the occupancy. They were well over that, no mask or anything like that. They were worshiping. They could, if they wanted to, they could wear a mask. They could, they, they could, they could come and they could. They had areas in the church that wasn't where they could separate if they wanted to. Absolutely, but Pastor Coates. Did not agree to that. The church did not agree to that. They felt like the government was overstepping their bounds in that, like we talked about. Here comes the civil disobedience. So we see on January 14th, which we're going to play today, the sermon in which Pastor Coates preached. The sermon that you're fixing to hear is from his is February 14th. He preached it on Romans 13. And we thought, I just when I heard it, I was like, it was the, it was it was a great exegesis of the text. And, and, and the way he, sw- he swung it, you don't hear many people swing it that way, is what is the role of the government? Mm. And so uh, just, just a little context, February 16th, two days later, Pastor Coates turned himself in because there was an arrest warrant out for him. He turned himself in. He was bound in shackles and chains, leg shackles and chains, thrown into prison for 35 days without a trial, without any bond. That's that, that's that's crazy no, too. No, no bond, yet this person over here who, who robbed a bank yep, or, or, or raped, or a raped child. they got bond, but they considered him more of a threat than they did anybody else. And he was given conditions in which to be let out. Yeah, he was saying if you would just abide by this undertaking. If you would just go back to, if you would just do this, basically, if you would stop preaching the word of God and stop pastoring, then we'll let you out. He says, I can't do that. So based upon that, he was thrown in jail, yeah. kept in jail. He is out right now. But I, anyway, 
what that does is, and we want to pick up here, and we're going to, we're going to let him speak. We're, this is going to be clips of his sermon, not all of the sermon. They've been graciously given us the, the rights to be able to play this sermon, so thank you to Grace Life Church. Uh, but we're going to pick up with Pastor Coates, where he, he talks about the God-ordained role of government. Play the first clip, clip right. for us. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are, which exist are established by God. So the reason we're to be subject to the governing authorities is because all authority is from God. That means all authority originates with God, which means all authority is delegated authority. And that means the governing authorities are accountable to who? To God. In other words, the governing authorities have a stewardship from God for which they will be judged. They are not autonomous. They are not sovereign. They are servants of God, verse 5. Deacons of God. And servants are always accountable to their masters. And so what must they do to faithfully discharge their duty? They must govern by the standard by which they will be judged. They must govern by the standard by which they will be judged, which is what? The word of God. They're going to be judged by the word of God. They're accountable to God. And therefore, they must govern in accord with the word of God. Interesting. Wow. So. Wow. (laughs) So the governments set up by God, their ultimate authority, supreme authority, God, they are to govern based upon what God has said. Yeah. And what has God said? It's in his book. Right. That's how we know that. Now the question ultimately comes is: Is do they know that right? Do they know? Do they know they're held accountable to God? Most likely not. Yeah, most of them. Most of them probably don't. And and that's why I w- wanted you to repeat what you said. That's one of the reasons we're here. Yeah, we have to let them know that. That's it. Because most, well, I'm not going to say that, but a lot of them is just not going to be reading their Bible. Absolutely, and they're not going to understand that the authority that they do have comes from God, and they're going to be accountable to govern according to God's law. Right. Let's hear a little bit more from Pastor Coates. I think he, he hits on this. All right, clip two. Do you think our government knows it's accountable to God? Not likely. And if it does, it is suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, Romans 1.18. And whose role is it to inform them? I've already said it. Whose role is it to inform the government of its God-given responsibility or to call them to repentance? It's the church. Why? Because we've been entrusted with the revelation that spells all this out. In fact, if the church refuses to fulfill this role and function, then it's walking in negligence. A negligence that's incredibly unloving. Why? Because those who are walking in governmental misconduct are actually storing up wrath for themselves for the day of judgment by not informing the government of its God-ordained role and not pointing out when the government is out of step with that role and by not pointing out that they are actually governing unjustly, we are not loving the government. These are individuals, human beings who are accountable to God, who need to be confronted with their sin in order to realize they need to be reconciled to God through the Son, Jesus Christ. You see, complying with unbiblical 
and unjust government laws is neither faithful nor loving. Affirming the government has an authority it doesn't actually have is neither faithful nor loving. It doesn't demonstrate true love for those in authority. It doesn't demonstrate true love for our neighbor. It doesn't demonstrate true love for the church. It doesn't demonstrate true love primarily for the Lord Jesus Christ. The church of all institutions has this obligation to call the government to its God-ordained duty. Wow. So we have a role as the church to inform Mm -hmm. the government of their duty and their role. This is what we do as ambassadors to Christ. Yeah. This is our light to the world, right? Yeah. Well, we can do this, and I think he's fixing to hit on this. We can do it by writing letters. We can do that by peaceful protesting. We, we can do it. That's right, right. But we and we can do it in many different ways: emails, whatever. But another way, and I think he's fixing to hit on it, is is by testifying to that is is that we that we we let the, the government know that they have no jurisdiction within our church. Mm-hmm. Play the next clip. Now, how do we do that? And this is where things get a little more difficult because there are many benign ways to call government to its duty. You can write your MLA. You can write your premier. Maybe a little less benign, you can do an open letter that gets some visibility. And there are more confrontational ways. For example, you can take them to court and enter into a legal dispute with them. But you can also do what we're doing. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here, not with regard to our worship. And so by simply being open and by garnering the attention we have, which is not our choice, but it has come, we're showing the government they've overstepped their authority. Regardless of whether their excuse is a so-called pandemic or not, And so by obeying Christ in this way, the government is being forced to consider what their authority actually is. And it's facilitating opportunities like this to testify against it. Now, it's important to understand that as we look at what we're doing as a local church, it's obedience to Christ that's driving this. It's theology that's driving this. It's ecclesiology that's driving this. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the supreme authority over the church, and he governs his church by his word. And our responsibility is to ensure that his word governs the church. But by doing what we're doing, we are also loving our neighbor. And that too obeys Christ. And in addition, we are loving our government because we are testifying that it's out of step with its God-given role. And that too is obedience to Christ. So this is in, like you said earlier, context of the virus, you know, the government's intervening, trying to control what goes on on a worship service. And I would say when this first came out, there was a lot of uncertainty. Absolutely. So most churches, like they probably should say, oh, let's wait. We don't know what's going on here. And as time played out. That was our choice. Yeah. As time played out, the numbers weren't lining up and the government just kept pushing in, pushing in, pushing in. Good point. So they crossed the line. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look here. I think what's coming up next is just what is the limits of government authority? 
Let's see what Pastor says. Pastor Coates says about what is the limits that we see of their authority. Okay. By the next clip. That's the source of governmental authority. Second, if you're taking notes, jot this down. The limits of governmental authority. The limits of governmental authority. Look at verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. So here's the logic. Verses 1 and 2. Everyone is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. This is due to the fact that government authority finds its source in God. And therefore, everyone who resists this authority opposes the ordinance of God and will receive earthly condemnation from the government. But there are some questions that need to be asked at this point. For example... Is all resistance to the governing authorities opposition to the ordinance of God? Is all resistance to the governing authorities opposition to the ordinance of God? We would have to say no. See the apostles. See Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We understand that. But how about this? Is every government law an ordinance of God? Is every government law an ordinance of God. We would have to say no. Otherwise, when government orders an evil, unjust law, God would be ordering evil. So no, when the government orders an unjust law, it is not an ordinance of God. God does not order unjust laws. Yeah, so it would be an example, abortion, Mm -hmm. right? Though it's not law, right? It's a judicial decision, but they are truly trying to get it into law. We see these other things where government passes laws in which totally contradict God's word, right? How about how about uh, marrying, you know, marriage? The biblical mm-hmm. use of marriage is thrown out the window nowadays, right? We have homosexuals' marriage. It is lawful for them to get married today. But yeah, that completely flies within the face of, of God and His word. So, yeah. so they have overstepped their bounds at that point, right? Yeah. They have not taken this book and not have learned from this book and governed via this book. They have governed via worldly matters. Let's keep going. All right, clip five. Do all government laws come with the authority of God? Do all government laws come with the authority of God? Again, we would have to say what? No. Since their authority is delegated to them, their laws must be consistent with the law of God. Right? Or how about this? When the government says we can't meet as we always have, does it come with the authority of God? When the government says we can't meet as we always have, does it come with the authority of God? Are we opposing the ordinance of God? If you say we are, then you're essentially pitting God against God. That God is currently contradicting himself. And I realize at that point you might say, but this is a pandemic. So these are extenuating circumstances. And if you said that, you would be wrong on two fronts. One, it isn't a pandemic. And two, you have a deficient theology of government. You don't understand the role and function of government. Now here, this that's very important. So he makes the same point we make. Mm-hmm. It's not a pandemic, but second of all, is this the we have a deficient knowledge of what the government's role is, and this is very important. This is the real crux of the sermon mm-hmm. right here. Let's let's keep going to the next text. I think this this is the pers- purpose of government authority. Okay. Genesis chapter one, verses twenty six and following. 
This describes the overarching kingdom mandate given to mankind at creation. And this transcends every legal document that governs a land. So this, is, this, is, this transcends the charter. And in fact, I would say this, that the Constitution, I think according to its founders, sought to actually uphold what we're going to see right now. Genesis 1, verse 26 and following. Then God said, familiar passage, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them, note this, rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God creates man to rule over the creation. Verse 27, God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God gives to man the unique responsibility to exercise dominion over the earth, to rule and subdue the earth. What this is, is an inalienable right given by God to man. It's an undeniable right, and by right I mean authority. God has given to man the authority to rule and subdue the earth. And that comes with certain freedoms, the right to life, that is the right to live the life that God has given to you up until he takes it away, the right to work. Yes, in giving to man the responsibility to rule over the earth, work is a fundamental inalienable right. Man, the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Work is a, a right given to man by God, the right to have a family, the right to be with your family, the right to be with your family when they're dying. That is a God-given right, an inalienable right, the right to acquire property, to possess property, to own that property. That's part of ruling and, 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 and subduing the earth. It's part of exercising dominion over the earth. Now to do that effectively, what is absolutely critical? If man is going to rule over the earth and exercise dominion and carry out his, his, uh, his inalienable God-given rights, what does he need? Especially in a fallen world. He needs government. Why? Government is in place to protect those inalienable rights. The purpose of government is to facilitate so yeah, so the purpose of the government, he's just fixing to say, is to see that these rights are not trampled on, right? The purpose of the government is to praise good behavior and to avenge evil, yeah. right? That's what we see. Go to the last clip uh, here, and, and we'll finish it out. Okay. As Paul is setting forth Romans 13 and the call to submit to government and even dealing with the issue of good and evil, he has the law of God in mind. 
And so good and evil aren't defined by the ever-evolving whims of culture. Good and evil are defined by God. And that reinforces the obligation of government to govern in accord with God's will. Again, an obligation for which they will be judged. And so the limits and purpose of government are clear and unmistakable. The role of government is to protect the undeniable rights given to man in the garden, and it fulfills this purpose by upholding law and order, punishing evil, and getting out of the way. So the government, they're to punish evil, right? They were to uphold the rights in which we have been given by God. They're they're to punish evil and to reward good behavior. And they're to do it all based upon the Bible. Now, mm. we're a long ways away from that. Yes, we, we are. We have come, and, and in the famous words of Jerry Nadler, <laughs> congressman or senator today, God's will is of no concern to this Congress. Mm. That's where we're at in America today. Gird up the loins. Be prepared. It's coming. It's coming. It's you, here. It's here, but it's going to intensify. Absolutely. It's, know your word. Hey, we're going to put down here, His. we'll have a link right here yeah. to his sermon. Right? Yeah. Can we show oh, yeah, that? Yeah, so, go. So we go and listen to the whole sermon, if yeah. you will. Be pray for his family as well as they're going through all this. But, hey, come back next week. We're going to continue in our studies in, in Romans 13. We'll see you next week on another episode of Lifesong Radio. You've been listening to Lifesong Radio. You can follow us on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to continue to study throughout the week, check out the resources available on our website at lifesongradio.com. See you next week for another episode of Lifesong Radio.